Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello and welcome back to Ayers on the Road. We're always so happy when we sit down together and just talk about some things that we hope that you're interested in because we are. Do you think it's our best time of the week? <laughs> we get up in yeah. the morning and come down and just do this podcast and we feel good all day, right? Right. It's great to talk to you. Thank you for tuning in. I got a question for you to start off with, Linda. Why do we call it grandparenting? Why, why don't we just call it like, you know, I don't know, second generation parenting or <laughs> old people's parenting? <laughs> Where, where'd that come from, grandparenting? Oh, do you gosh. think it was just some guy, some someone thought, man, I'm not a parent anymore, I'm a grandparent and that's stuck? Or what? I think that might be it. Where? It is pretty grand. <laughs> it is pretty grand. But, you know, there's always some things that go wrong with the grand, but <laughs> but it is really exciting. There's no worries when you're a grandparent, Oh, right? no, none at all. No, no you don't no. worry about anything. No, of it's course just, not. you know, <laughs> there's just so many things to worry about now. The biggest um, worry is just keeping your mouth shut, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's true sometimes. <laughs> Trying not to say what you really think, but... So in case you haven't guessed... We're going to talk a little about grandparenting today, but if you're a parent, or if you're not a parent, or a grandparent, don't tune out, because grandparents, as it turns out, and the whole idea of grandparenting affects all of us. And if you're a parent, the question is, are you using perhaps the greatest resource you have, which is your parents, to help you in your parenting? Are you the middle link between your parents and your kids in a way that's effective? That's important. And if you are a grandparent, boy, did you come to the right place today because we are, I would say we're among the most enthusiastic grandparents on planet Earth. What would you say? Oh, well, we do <laughs> love it, but um, there are a lot of wonderful grandparents, so many good people. And I think, you know, if you are not a grandparent, but you are struggling with your parent in the grandparenting, it might be good to listen today, too, because, you know, it's a good wake-up call for us as well. Well, here's the thing. Let's start off with this, Linda, and, and this is just our observation. We've been at this for a long time, not only grandparenting, but being with other grandparents, speaking to grandparents, speaking to parents, writing to parents and grandparents, and it seems to us there's sort of three broad categories, maybe four, of, of grandparents. Um, and it's kind of a spectrum. We, we meet some grandparents who are like, I'm done. Raise my kids. Don't bother me anymore. I'm out of here. If you really need something bad, call me. But otherwise, don't call me. I'll call you. <laughs> and then on the extreme other end of the spectrum, there are, I don't know, hyperactive grandparents who... <laughs> basically think they're still in charge of everything, including their kids and their grandkids, and who try to manage everything, and who think they know everything, and that their kids, who are the new parents, are don't know anything, and so they try to run the show. <laughs> now, I don't think you'd want to be either of those two extremes, but in between, 
There are a couple of other categories. I, I think there are grandparents. I don't. We should have thought of names for all four of these, but there there are grandparents who you know really love their grandkids and really want to be with them, but you know don't don't tread on me. Don't don't overuse your prerogative here. Remember that I I deserve a little grand. I, you know I've I've been through the the forgery and uh, the forges, the fire and the forge. And I'm, I'm now sort of, <laughs> I now get a chance to have a little time for myself. And then there's the category that's, you know, hey, just let me be, I, I want to help you, but I don't want to overstep my bounds. How can I help you raise these children? How can I be a resource? How can I be a backup to you? I hope you're somewhere in that middle category because, boy, oh boy, grandparents have never been more important. Grandparents can teach things to children that the parents really can't because the parents are too close to it and the parents have the discipline and the day-to-day -day worries and so on and they just can't, they don't have the social distance that grandparents do to really be a, uh, you know, a special kind of teacher to those children. Yeah, I, everybody has a different situation. I really never knew my grandparents very much. Uh, well, they were older. They well, were so much older. Well, two passed away before I was born. I mean, your parents were the age of my grandparents. Yeah, that's true. My mom was 42 when she had me and 43 when she had my sister. And my dad was 54 and 55. So it's pretty amazing that we are even here. But, Did you um, even remember any of your grandparents? Uh, yes, one grandfather. Your mom's uh, dad, right? Yes, and my, my dad's mom. Oh, you um, remembered your dad's mom? My dad's mom, I died when I was nine, but I just remember that she had she was blind sitting on the side of the bed. Uh, she had cataracts. Her sister had had cataract surgery wow, all those years wow. ago, like 80 years ago or something, and ruined her eyes, and so she said, but she was already blind, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why she didn't <laughs> give it a try. But it was so early then, and so I just remember her sitting there and asking us to sing "Springtime in That's the Rockies." That's so interesting, you know? "Springtime in the Rockies," because yeah. I, I remember all four. My, my grandparents were much younger, and I had colorful grandparents. I had a my grandpa Iyer was a railroad engineer from Wyoming who had some rough edges. And, and my grandma I was just the sweetest, but tough as nails. When you came in her house, there were rules, refined baby. Refined also, refined and lovely. And then on the Swenson side, my, my grandpa was a master carpenter from Sweden who taught me, Ricky, be sure to sharpen your saw before you try to cut anything. And then he'd give me a little lesson and he was amazing and grandma wow. swenson the sweetest of all swedish oh, ladies I, I went in the car from her from logan utah to salt lake one day i drove her there uh, when i was a young married and i would give anything to have recorded that or at least written down she had the most amazing life we we're missing lots of opportunities with our grandparents if we're not recording things and asking questions and and hearing stories because that's the fabric of our life. I mean, my, my grandfather was a tall beanpole. He was about 6'4", three generations ago. He had brothers who were 6'7". And then um, he was a fiddler. He played in a band, played the organ, a great musician. He used to stand and critique my violin playing. 
Um, I can still see him leaning against the door saying, that was, that was pretty good, Linda. Uh, <laughs> really? You've never told me that. Yeah. Well, let's shift from thinking of our, I mean, that's a good place to start, actually. I mean, think of if you're young enough to still have grandparents alive, oh, boy, record them ask them questions have your one of the, some of the best video we have and it was early days for video and some of the quality is not as good as we wish but it's our it's our children asking our our asking their grandparents questions oh wow the little kids interacting with their grandparents how what was it when did you first see a car grandpa well what was it like? I mean, those are great little videos. Well, when we came home from our mission, we served in, in London from 76 to 79 when we had a bunch of little kids. And when we came home, my dad was... Wait, people are computing that now and thinking, are you 100 years old? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were young when we were out. We, we were, were, really we were just babies. Right. We were 30, so right. we're not old. But when we came home... We, uh, my dad was not doing well. We knew it. And we bought the first video camera ever. Oh gosh, I mean, it, it just barely, pounds. I think. And it was incredible to record my dad, who was 87, and uh, his memories of his childhood and so on. And then the amazing thing for him was we had to keep him distracted because he couldn't believe he could see himself on TV. You know, in those days, kind of the right, video right. recorder went through He wouldn't talk because he TV. wanted to watch himself. No, he was like, I can't believe that. I can't believe that. And on our way home from the mission in 1979, somebody told us that you could put <clears> something in your TV and watch any movie you want. And we went, no okay, way. Okay, enough of that. No way. That. Anyway, okay. So let's. what we want to do the rest of the show, though, is talk about how to be the best grandparent you can be. And I say that in a careful way because we're not all the same. None of us should try to pattern ourselves completely after another grandparent. But what should you do? And I always come back to, I have three words. We're, I, I'm going to talk to grand, grandfathers here. And Linda, you better just talk to grandmothers because they're they're two different breeds. In fact, we yeah they are. We started out to write a book on grandparenting, and about halfway into it, we realized how different grandmothers are in terms of what they're interested in, what they want to do than than grandfathers. So we split off, and Linda wrote this beautiful book. I'm looking at it right now, just called Grandmothering, and it's a thick book. It's an inch thick, and it's got recipes. It's got the whole nine yards in it and my little book ended up being kind of like a pamphlet <laughs> being a proactive grandfather it's like bullet points i figure grand grandfathers aren't going to sit down and wade through a big old book but they might think about some things from this and so we're going to do that but i wanted before we get to the break to me i'm always looking for ways to simplify and i think there's three words I want you to keep in mind for the rest of this po podcast. First, when you have little kids, little babies and toddlers and preschoolers, I think the key, these are the three C's. The key is to be a cheerleader. Be the one who just loves them so much and gives them so much praise and accolade and support that they just know they're, they're 10 feet tall in your eyes. These little grandkids, be the cheerleader. Then the middle-aged ones, the, the ones in elementary school, I think you need to be their champion. That, that means you support them in everything. You're, you're there for them no matter what. You're their champion. You, you find out what they need and you try to give it to them. You're, you're their champion in the sense of I'm championing you. 
And then as they get older, as they get into their teen years and move on, then I think you want to be their consultant, the one who wants to know about their goals and what they want to do, who listens to them, and who really tries to figure out what makes them the great person they are. So keep those three words in mind as we take a break here in a minute and and move on. Be their cheerleader when they're little. Be their champion when they're in elementary and starting adolescence. And then be their consultant. And let me just say, it is so important as a grandparent, as a grandmother, um, to let them know first about how, how much you adore them, of course, but then figure out their interests and and build build them on whatever it is that they do well and also let them know what you love. Let I, them know you. That's a good point. I think that a lot of grandparents just don't realize how uh, important it is to let kids know that you're a person too. You're not just the caregiver but that you've had a life and that there are a lot of exciting things that you've done and thought and that you really appreciate. And things you love. I mean, all your grandkids, Linda, know how much you love music. They know how much you love art. They know they've seen your work. They, 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 and I, I, we see a lot of grand, grandkids, they don't, they don't have a clue about their grandparents. They're just old people that come around once in a while, but what, they don't know about their life, and, and that's a tragedy. But I'm, I'm talking to myself because I played the violin my whole life, and I, they don't hear me play the violin very often. But I do let them hear violin music because we have so much fun with Grammy camps in the summer. And we'll talk a little more about that in the second half, but I have them just for like three hours now as a little group. And we do so many fun things with music and art and scriptures and things that they know that I love. So let us uh, take a break. But as we do, think about the idea that grandparenting shouldn't be some passive thing. It shouldn't be just, well, I'll be there. I'll be there when you need me. It should be you should, I, we think grandparenting should be proactive. What can you do? What role can you play? How can you be an active grandparent without stepping on your, your children's toes? Because they're the parents. They're the real stewards. How do you do it? How do you become better at it? So hang on. We'll give you some ideas in the second half. Hang on. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. We're back talking about grandparenting today, which is always a fun topic. We have, um, we were so excited because we were starting to get some of our grandchildren back for a long time. We only had one family with five kids who lived in Ogden, Utah, and we are in Park City. And it was so fun, but then more kids started coming and family moved back from Boston, then a family moved back from New York City and California, and all of a sudden, and it was just so exciting because we thought we had 16 grandchildren right by us, and we were ready to have parties and do things (laughs) fun, and then all of a sudden, two of them just decided to move back to New York City, so we're down to three again instead of five families, but... We are, have spent a lot of time with our grandchildren this summer, and it has been such a joy to be with them and to realize how amazing their personalities are. If you've been listening, you know that we've had a little family living with us for a couple of months while they had a new baby. 
Um, and it was a joy to have those kids here every morning. It was just such a delight. Now they're the ones that are flying back. To There's Europe. such a variety, isn't there, Linda? It's hard, it's hard to generalize because we know some grandparents who live, you know, they got all their grandkids living within a block of them. <laughs> they're all in the same yeah. ward. Yeah. And and some of them are bemoaning the fact that they're sort of like the person that gets dumped on and the kids get left with them without any notice and they're just expected to kind of behave like a nanny or a slave or whatever and they're worried about that and then we, we meet other grandparents who are like oh my grandkids live 3,000 miles away I'd do anything if I could be with them more and there is a and that's another thing about thinking about the grandparenting thinking it through being deliberate about it examining how you know deciding how you want it to work and some some people have to draw some guidelines I can here's when I'm available here's when I'm not and and others just have to try to find a minute here and there that they can be with their grandkids. Yeah, you know, there's so many stages of grandparenting. It used to be that all our kids were little. Now they're old and they're going to college and two of them have gotten married. And it's amazing that that time Boy, flows that through your fingers so fast. And then it changes, for sure. You know, um, we this family that we had, every personality is so unique. They had their oldest daughter just turned eight, and she's just like a bull in a china closet. She just has no <laughs> sense of space, so she just knock you over with your hugs, which is so great. And then they have another little boy who's just so calm and you know easygoing, but he can sit and do his times tables. He's only five, and he knows his times tables. <laughs> and then there's others that are just so unaware of what's going on, and then others that are so you know delightful there are some that are hard you know really hard and um they uh, we watch them work through their hard times and become beautiful people it is really a well you a make delight. you make such a good point that one of the, the things grandparents need to focus on is really getting to know each grandchild as an individual as a unique individual not treating them all the same because they're all so different they all need different things from you thinking about what does this child need from me what can I be to this child that will really help him and I think um, you know this is a big subject and you know I'm looking at your book and wishing every grandmother could read it and they're easy to find you know Linda's book is grandmothering mine is being a proactive grandfather but if you don't have time for a book or you're not into reading a whole book right away um, we want to recommend Grand Magazine there's this wonderful online magazine it's the only national publication that, devoted exclusively to, to, to grandparenting and it's just called Grand Magazine you can find it easily online it's free and uh, there's a there's an issue every quarter so they don't come out really often but you can read all the back issues We've been writing a column for every issue of that magazine for about five years now. And, oh, and okay. it really covers all of our, our articles in their brief, but they, they cover everything. We just did one, for example, you meant you reminded me when you said older grandkids. We've, we've realized that we can contribute to their Roth custodial accounts. In other words, your kids can set up a, a Roth IRA for your ch for the grandchildren, even if they're only three years old, 
Uh, well, that's a little extreme. Once kids can start earning any money of their own, any kind of money, whether they're babysitting or whether they have a little job, they can actually deposit a percentage of that in, in a Roth IRA savings account, and you can match that. And and we've found that's the easiest way to say, hey, we want to help you with your college in 10 years or whatever, or maybe they're a teenager. You're going to be going to school and you're going to need some financial help. We want to match whatever you save. It doesn't have to be a Roth. That's just one way to do it. Yeah. But, but you know, I'm, I'm off on a tangent here. But the idea of, you know, Grand Magazine, take a look at it and, and get ideas. Don't you think, Linda, that one thing grandparents need, parent, parenting, it's all over. You, you have parenting ideas, parenting articles, parenting books, parenting TV shows, everything going on, so many podcasts. You're, you're always stimulated with ideas that might generate ideas for you as a parent. Grandparents, not so much. We need to hear the ideas of other grandparents to stimulate us. Not that we're going to copy other people's ideas, but give us the, the okay, i got to have an idea. What would work for me? What do my grandkids need? And the shifting over to the grandmothering side, I think what I've realized is what these young grandmothers are anxious for is to know how much input they should have with their kids and how much they can say and how much they can't say because you know everybody has their idea of how things should go and we really tried hard to pretty much say nothing <laughs> to really try I mean you know if they ask us even if they ask us if you just encourage, encourage them they need more encouragement yeah. they, they more need you, to know that they are doing all your right your kids as parents need more encouragement from you than they do correction right exactly that, there's a chapter in your book called duct tape. Yeah, well, it has duct tape in it. I, I used to carry duct tape in my purse just in case Richard was opening his mouth at the wrong time, because it is just—it's so tempting to just jump in and tell and tell them how to do it. Tell them how like, to do come it. Come on, here's what you do. You yeah, know? just come on. Uh, how about this and how about this? And then that just doesn't do them any good at all. No. Uh, you know, even we were just talking about this with the girls because we just had a delightful girls trip. Um, with all our daughters and daughters-in-law, except for a couple who couldn't come. You but. did. I didn't get a go. I tried to go, but I sometimes crashed the party, but not this time. But I do have to say one of our daughters said that she appreciated that about us. Maybe not so much for you, because <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard for you not to say. But I think you've, you've hit a really nice balance, and it really is interesting that we just need to back off and most of all just encourage and compliment and let them know how much we appreciate what they're doing and shake our heads and say, I don't know how you're doing this, even though we kind of went through the same thing ourselves and we don't know how we did that either. Well, that's a good, that's a good, I think the point, you're, the underlying point here, that this trip, Linda just got back from this marvelous trip to South Carolina and the Outer Banks with her daughters and daughters-in-law and that's, that the, the the purpose of that is to get away and to be together and to bond and so on. But there's a lot of discussion of kids and parenting and grandparenting and working on individual concerns that they have with different kids. Yeah. And that that's a that's an interesting way to approach grandparenting is spending time. I I, I just took uh, my sons and sons and uh, my sons to to Alaska for a fishing trip earlier this year, and boy, we sat in a big hot tub at this lodge three or four times and talked about each of their children 
and the concerns they had with each of them. And I mean, that's, that's, that's grandparenting right there when you're working with the fathers or the mothers. Yeah. We, we sat around for every night. We just relished all of us the chance to not be interrupted. And we had one little two-month-old baby who everybody adored, and we passed him around, and it was so good for the mom to be relieved of the load. <clears throat> and it really was so fascinating because that's the part, that's why we went, to go and talk. Women, I think, are different than men. We, do, we weren't out getting halibut. <laughs> we, were, we were biking, riding bikes, and we were... <laughs> Uh, going through, finding alligators, walking around, and you know, having so much fun. And we went to a plantation. We'd all read books. We'd all done podcasts so that, so that we could talk about it at night. And honestly, we had so much fun talking. And we've done this often enough now that we're, I'm not too surprised. Although everybody's evolving, and it is kind of interesting to see how they've evolved with their family through the years. But it is such a delight to really hear opinions and so on. And luckily, we are pretty homogeneous. Sometimes that is really hard with the political situation that's going on right now, with not only with politics, but with uh, masks and vaccines and so on. So, you know, maybe that's not the best subject if, if there's problems there, but we happen to be pretty much on the same uh, on the same boat. So it really was a delight. That was the best part. And I want to say, you know, I, in fact, I'm thinking... On my little book, Being a Proactive Grandfather, um, a couple of blurbs we put on the cover, one's from Danny Ainge, the basketball player and coach in Boston Celtic, and the other one's from my friend Nolan Archibald, who's the CEO of Black & Decker. But both of their little blurbs essentially say, Grand grandparenting, grandfathering is your most important role. Whatever else you are, if you're a CEO or if you're a, uh, NBA star, those are those are secondary roles. To when you have kids, who have kids, the most important role you play in life is is that of grandparent, and that's an interesting thing. And it also may be the the, the role you play the longest, Linda. I mean, mo you think about it. When you have a child, you, you'll probably have that child in your home for maybe eighteen years until they go away to college or on a mission or whatever. Uh, so maybe 18 years as a, as a parent with a child, you might have 50 years with that child as a grandparent. It's true. You've got to think about it's, that. It's a long-term role that for some begins in in their 40s, uh, sometimes even early 40s, and, and you're going to be a grandparent till you're 85 or 90 or however long you live, 50 years of being a grand a grandparent that that deserves some attention that deserves some strategy that deserves a lot of thinking and yes. again we want to provide resources with that either with these two books or with grand magazine i hope you'll go on from this show and really think a lot it's how much you think about grandparenting that determines how well right. you do right and while i was writing this i was just thinking so hard about what are the things that really do make a difference for our grandchildren. The, uh, and at the same time, I'm, ha I'm having the time in my life. I'm having so much fun. I mean, it's hard sometimes when you're an early grandmother, you know, with just starting, because it's a, it's a transition that yeah, takes yeah, years. Yeah. And now I just feel like I am having the time better and better. in my life. Yeah. It is so fun and so interesting to see how these little personalities 
um, work through. I mean, we've had problems with kids, of course, and we help the parents work through hard times, but we've had the joy of uh, seeing a granddaughter starting at Columbia University in New York last week, and now we're kind of centered in New York. We have two families there. But it is great to see a granddaughter going to BYU and really, you know, feeling, oh, just just feeling the joy of life of doing that. And then we have a couple of children that we're worried about, a grandchild with a syndrome, which you know about, who has is a delight of our lives also, and who has come so far. And, you know, the really hard times sometimes are the times that we remember most and that we treasure the most because we help them get through these hard times. Somebody asked me how many grandkids I had the other day, and I told them, they said, wow, can you even remember all their names? And I'm like, well, hello. On. Hello. I mean, they're, they're the most important people in the world to me. I, I don't even know their names. I know a ton about them, and I, I know their birthdays, and I know their half birthdays, and I know their... I, I just love them so much, and I just think that's the priority of life. It, it truly is. Richard writes a half-birthday letter with a fountain pen to them. It's the only um, letter they've ever got in the I mail. I do the birthdays, and I just send money <laughs> and stuff, but he has this precious way of uh, letting them know how much they love him, and there are just so many fun things that you can do. So <laughs> I let them we, know how much they love me, you said. <laughs> You, happy birthday. You, you love me so much. Okay. <laughs> All right. Sorry about that. Anyway, we are done. We appreciate you. If you hung in to the end, we really appreciate being grandparents. And we hope that if you aren't one, you're looking forward to it. So we wish you the very best. And we'll see you next week on Ayers on the Road. See you then. Love you. 